If you had told me two years ago that I'd be planning my cat's birthday party, I probably would have called you crazy. I had no idea that almost 23,000 people would follow us. I taught the cats to play piano, and then I added a guitar and drums. They're the stars of the show, and they're the stars of my life. Practically on every corner here on Cirrus, you will see cats. When you help a cat back to health, it's the best feeling in the world. You could be white, black, green, purple. If you're going to help the cats, we're on the same team. I feel like I'm rescuing them because they rescued me. We love having cats as companions. They add so much joy and laughter to our life. All right, look, this is plenty of cats. I'm sorry, I was waiting for the exact quote and the quote was never coming because it's meow. Welcome to Cat Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Todd Barrett. Hey man, I'm Brian Brushwood, and it turns out that when the first line says uh, the docu series explores the quote remarkable, surprising cat people in the world, I keep waiting for that phrase to show up, and it didn't. No, because it says it's, out it's, at, at some at, point. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. All right, look, I, I missed it. I missed it. I, I love cats too much. I'm sorry. That is a trailer for Netflix's upcoming Cat People. It is a docu series. Hey, it's a docu series about the remarkable and surprising cat people in the world. It's coming oh, to thank Netflix. You, thank you. Uh, it's coming to Netflix July 7th. <laughs> it was just your secret plan to get as much cat in the show as possible. Okay, right? so look, genius or idiot, uh, I'm picturing somebody with sunglasses on and like three mustaches, like one in the middle and two on each of his sideburns. And, and he takes off his sunglasses to reveal another pair of sunglasses. And it pulls those off to say... And is, he's wearing contacts that say the internet. And he's like, I just had a vision. I think the internet likes cats. <laughs> and then they all stand up and applaud. And, and Cats the series comes out on Netflix. Is that what happened? That sounds like it. Yeah. That, that, I think that's the pitch meeting, right? Right there. You just, just were you there at that? <laughs> okay. I might, I might have a, a, a pseudonym that I work in Hollywood <laughs> under. <laughs> I thought those mustaches looked familiar. Let's move on to our primary target. Now, bipartisanship is probably not something you expect to hear too much on cord killers, but when it happens in this day and age, folks, it's rare. And when it happens and is related in any way to cord cutting, we're going to talk about it. A bipartisan group of U.S. senators, including Brian Schatz, John Thune, Raphael Warnock, and John Kennedy, proposed a bill Wednesday called the Unsubscribe Act. It wasn't, uh, you, the, this act is too long, unsubscribe. It's it's about giving you the right to unsubscribe. Companies would be required to make terms and conditions more transparent when they're offering you a free trial. It would also require a clear and easy way to cancel a trial subscription that wouldn't be able to obfuscate it, including requiring a customer to be able to unsubscribe in the same way they subscribed. So if you use the internet to subscribe, they can't make you call to unsubscribe. They got to provide a way on the internet to unsubscribe, according to this, this, this bill. Many trials let you easily subscribe online, but you know require you a phone call to cancel. This bill would prohibit that practice. It would also require clear notice when the trial is ending, before charging the customer, and it would disallow something called automatic transfer to a contract 
longer than one month. In other words, if you signed up for a monthly subscription, they can't suddenly switch it to a year and then charge you. That one's, I think, kind of rare, but it does happen. Companion legislation is also being introduced into the U.S. House. So the fact that you've already got it going in both houses, the fact that there's like a bipartisan uh, strange bedfellows alliance for this, Brian, makes it seem like this is at least got a better chance to pass than other bills. May or may not. I don't know. What do you think of it if it did pass? I actually have two very strong thoughts about this. And let's play a game. Uh, 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 there are three players, everyone at home, the audience, and also Bryce and also Tom. Um uh, okay. Before I reveal my two thoughts, um, if if you get either of the two thoughts right, then then you win one dollar. Uh, so we're uh, trying to guess your thought. Yes. Yes. Okay. What, how do we think Brian feels about this? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I I have I think I might know Tom, but I'd love to hear what you think he might. Okay. Think. All right. Uh, oh oh that the, <laughs> the game is on. All right. <laughs> yes. I uh, gotcha. Uh, I, I, you know, knowing Brian and 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 Brian's skepticism of government, I, I would imagine one of the thoughts is probably around that and uh, and the idea of like, gosh, do we really need a law? Uh, I think we could do this with public pressure, uh, even if I like part of this. Uh, and then the other thought would be, uh, gosh, do I hate people who trick you into subscriptions? Uh, hmm. Wait, I just thought of a third possibility. Ooh. Also, I operate a subscription business. I was about to say. I really don't want regulations on me. That's kind of the foundation of let court me push killers. That, let me push that one into the first group with the like, yeah, I don't like the government telling me what to do. I'm a subscription. And then the second one would be like, yeah, but I don't like getting tricked into subscription. So I'm kind of uh, favorable to the idea of a couple of these anyway. How close did I get? Uh, let's find out. Bryce, contestant number two. Yeah. I, I think a, a lot of what Tom said, but also with the added salt and pepper of, are there even services that are still doing this? Maybe there are, maybe there are not, mm -hmm. but I think mm -hmm. Brian's take will be, nobody's even doing this anymore. Everyone who was doing this <laughs> stopped doing this five years ago. Man, I think both of you dodged my actual hot takes, but uh -oh. I think both of you got close enough that I'll give you 50 cents a piece. Uh, number one... <laughs> As you know, uh, it used to be a problem when the phone would ring and it would be somebody who you didn't know who's trying to sell you something. Mm -hmm. And as you know, all of that got fixed with the government legislation called the right. National Do Not Call Le uh, Registry. Yep. yep. Don't well, get a call anymore at all. Well, there's internet. Well, inter international problems make that a weird oh, thing. But yeah, dear, you're right. It's as though that didn't fix anything at all, and it was just a showpiece. Okay. Darn it. Um, also, I do have the real solution for this, which is everybody use a self-plug here, uh -oh. privacy.com slash rogue. Uh, get yourself one of those uh, one-time use cards. Uh, once it runs out, they can't take any more of your money, and it's done. This is a non-existent problem because everybody should be responsible for their own money, and they should set limits so that nobody can charge. You're saying charge. it should be a non-existent problem if everyone took it. It already is. It already is. Like, like no, no, for it is a problem. People have the problem, but you're saying they could fix it themselves if they really want it. Uh, no, we, well, and we, uh, we had people in the chat mention a few places that still, the New York Times and Bloomberg still will do that, require you I've to. definitely run in, within the past couple of years, I've definitely run into like, oh, I have to call them to cancel. Great. Wait, even if, even if you have a card that runs out of money and that's Sling it? Sling TV. 
Well, that sucks. You know what? There ought to be a law. There shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, people yeah, should just act because, right. Because what, what, happens is, <laughs> what happens is if you put the card on it, they're like, oh, we can't charge your card. But you still owe us. Mm -hmm. So you need to give us another payment. You need, you need to pay us. The card isn't the agreement. The card is the method of payment you gave them. So if it runs out, sure. A lot of companies will be like, oh, your payment failed. So we canceled you. Right. But some companies will, will push and like, we have your contact info. We're going to keep providing you service and you owe us money. Well, so let's break this down into two pieces. The first part is my disbelief, my skepticism in that a law will fix any of this. And and I, sure, sure. I do, and I think I do yeah. stand behind this. Can spam did absolutely nothing to reduce spam. What what actually uh, did something what, was was Gmail uh, changing what the can filters. Can spam did? Can spam did not do anything to fix spam, but can spam did make it easy to unsubscribe from legitimate stuff that you asked for, 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 for bacon, as they call it. Like, uh, they said, look, you have to put your address and you have to put easy unsubscribe information. And I will say, uh, despite my expectations, even today, if you've signed up for something from a new, you know, a newsletter or opted in and said, yeah, yeah, sure. Send me your marketing info. It is easy to unsubscribe from those. It hasn't stopped spam, but it did do that. And to be honest, as I have crossed over from content consumer primarily to content creator primarily, um, and we've built up our own our own marketing lists and all those things, uh, I do appreciate that that if nothing else, CanSpam has given a uh, structure that has allowed me to feel morally good, like I'm playing by the rules, whatever those sure. rules are. Oh yeah, no, yeah. that's right. Cause you're like, oh yeah, I, I know what I need to do to make sure that everybody's treated fairly and, and I know what the rules are, which is honestly, uh, you know, not to go become politics, politics or political orphanage. That's kind of where I feel government's role is, is like, hey, if, if everybody's having a hard time agreeing on the rules, we'll step in and, and set some rules, right? And then, and then everybody knows what the rules should be. So now we get to the other side of the oh yeah so so your first take was the one i think is more 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 expected which is like gosh laws right am i right they they don't always fix everything what's the second take i mean the second take is if 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 you had uh i don't know if, if you could win a million dollars by never getting tricked into a subscription again like you had to subscribe to a hundred things and then one year from now you had to be successfully unsubscribed to all of them would you a rely on this law to cover you or b have something more clever maybe a third-party service maybe a mm -hmm. yeah whether it's a a, a one-time they don't like the word burner cards but one-time use cards a, a, a limited funding that kind of thing yeah, I'd, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think some of this, it's, it's that weird thing of like, we all should take responsibility, but we also know like that that's fine when I'm talking about myself, but then when you're stepping back and talking about humanity and you're like, ah, but we just know that not everybody's the same and not everybody thinks the same. Is there a reasonable rule that it will set people up for success, right? And that, that that's where I start to look at things and say, all right, what things really are just up to people to do? And maybe there'll be other technological solutions or business service solutions for it. And what things are like, oh, no, no, this, this is smart. And the one thing I will say I, I agree with in this is uh, making requiring a company to be like, look, it's, it's only fair if you let a customer sign up online 
you should let them cancel online. Uh, and there could be objections to that. And I'd, I'd be willing to entertain them of like, ah, but there's situations where, where that's not parallel, but most of the time, if you're setting up a phone bank to take subscriptions, probably isn't too much burdensome to set up the phone bank, uh, to take cancellations. Likewise set up, if you set up email subscription, you could probably set up email cancellation, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, that's the one I think is more like just rule setting and, and less like, you know, trying to do a person's job for them. Yeah. The thing I worry about and keep in mind, we're a very, very small company over at scamstuff.com. Mm -hmm. uh, however, we do uh, dip our toes in the water of, of, you know, various uh, mass marketing schemes or, or offering products and so on. And occasionally we get somebody who writes directly. It's my son's birthday tomorrow. My number is so-and-so will you please call me so we can figure out a way to get him his favorite lock picking mm -hmm. trainer by tomorrow. Sure. This sounds like the kind of thing where somehow I, it would be illegal. That's not a for subscription, though. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, anybody who is a customer becomes to subscribe to the emailing list, and but they're not paying like, like, on like, a recurring basis, I, like a subscription. I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't not, think I'm that not, falls I'm not under arguing this. whether or not we're right. What I'm arguing is mm. whether or not incentives are misaligned to make it mm, safest for us to give worse customer service as a result of it. That's the part that I think of. It's the unexpected things. It depends on how they, they, they write the rule. And I haven't seen the bill. I've only seen the press release about the bill that, that lines out the stuff. So that, that, that does make a difference. If they say, if they leave it open, like you say, where you're like, mm, I could see some court deciding that this was the customer relationship, then sure. Yeah. I, I get where you're coming from. There's these kinds of things can be a slippery slope. That said, I, I think you can write laws. I think it is possible to write laws that are pretty clear and says, you know, if you know, that, that draws that line and say for, for the payment of a recurring service, you have to, if, if somebody signs up this way, then let them cancel that way. Also, if you're willing to give the service to be like, yeah, you can call me and we'll set it up. I think you'd be willing to say, and if you want to cancel something, give me a call too. So let, let me throw one other thing to consider. Um, uh, uh, we, we, we recently lost our, our PO box for our business, for, for Mono Road. We had a lot of people who wanted to send us Mono Road related fan mail stuff. Uh, and um, uh, uh, there's one phrase in here that says, require clear notice when the trial is ending or whatever. So what happened was, is by being generous, we ended up getting screwed. So in this case, uh, we signed up for a PO box that was located in Dallas, Texas, and then would forward over to us. Uh, and sometime in the middle of the summer last year, uh, uh, credit cards changed, and then they 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 did give us clear notice saying, "Hey, your credit card is no longer working. We're going to eventually cancel your account." However, it went straight to spam. I never saw it. Six months later, they're like, uh, "Okay, we've reassigned your box to someone else." So now, by the time we figured out, like uh, fans are saying, "Hey, how come I can't send you this fan thing that I did?" Uh, uh, we find out it's like, oh, not only like the, it wasn't just that we were not paying our bill, we can't even get back our original PO box. And so mm. it, it, this is the stuff I worry about stuff that, that yeah, obeys yeah, sure. the letter of the law, but mm, not the spirit. 
but not the spirit. Yeah. Well, let us know what you think. Uh, do, do you like the idea? Do you like part of the idea? Uh, I mean, I honestly think it's a it's a decent bill. Again, depends on how it's written. I think that Brian uh, points out something really good. It's like it it should be should be pretty tight. Uh, and I, I you know requiring notice and stuff that stuff can usually be automated, so it's not horribly burdensome. On the other hand, I'm not sure how much it's really gonna gonna change things. But the but the ability to unsubscribe in the way you subscribed uh, seems reasonable to me in in some way. Uh, but maybe, maybe you disagree. Maybe you agree. Uh, let us know cordkillers at gmail.com and then subscribe to us on Patreon. Yes. Also until this legislation passes, we will never, ever notify you when your trial is about to run out. <laughs> Go ahead. Sign up for the free $1 a week trial at cordkiller patreon.com slash cordkillers right now. And we will not warn you at all when we continue to take your money week it's, after week after week as we continue to supply you with top-notch news, entertainment, reviews, information. We're talking about spoiler in time. We're talking about the main show. We're talking about the exclusive after-talk segments. We're talking about all of this without your permission and we'll never warn you. We're never going to warn you. We're just going to keep on taking your money forever unless they pass this law. First of all, Patreon doesn't have free trials. And and so if they're paying us per month, it's not free. Tom, I'm so sorry if I implied for even one second that anything about one second of our program is free. You're already being charged. <laughs> no, 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 the show is free now unless you go to Patreon. But once you go to Patreon and pay us, then it wouldn't be free anymore. Sorry. I think what you mean to say, Tom, is that the show is free now because they haven't passed a law against it yet. Then we will no longer be free. We will no, be in prison. I don't think the law really enters into it. I think it's just, it's a, it's a free show that you can pay for at Patreon, but once you're paying for it, you're paying for it. Yeah, it just seems like we should keep taking money forever without warning anybody about anything, and I'd prefer that the government never force us to warn anyone about anything. Also, I think this is the best Stephen Toast imitation you've ever done. <laughs> oh, Tomas Maritz. Here we go. Patreon.com. Settle in, listeners. This is going to be the rest of the show. <laughs> Let's talk about how to watch. Everybody wants to know how many people are watching what? Some have business reasons. Others are just curious. Some want to know who's winning. The UK government has even said it deserves to know how well shows that it originated, or at least its public service broadcasters originated using its funding, are doing, even if streamers like Netflix only share it with them and not the public. They're like, fine, Netflix, Amazon, you, you don't have to tell everybody else, but you got to tell us how Criminal Minds UK is doing or, or Stephen Toast. Uh, but it's not like TV ratings before streaming were reported by the networks. They were reported by an independent body. For most of TV history, that's been Nielsen. The company is making strides in delivering ratings for streaming services, and they've got a new one. Let's take a look. Nielsen announced a new metric called The Gauge. Sounds horrifying. It can show a direct percentage comparison between consumers watching streaming services versus watching cable and broadcast television. It measures TV viewing, not laptop or mobile, using a device connected to the router in 14,000 households. 
that looks at what is actually being streamed. Uh, Nielsen's previous method used audio recognition software, which was not as accurate. So this is a lot more accurate because you're looking at the bits themselves voluntarily. People agree to let them do this and going, oh, yeah, that is Toast of London. Definitely. Uh, Netflix has been skeptical about these ratings in the past, the audio based one. But Reed Hastings seems to like the new methodology, even told The New York Times, quote, they're in a good place to referee or scorekeep how streaming is changing the U.S. television landscape. Netflix changing its tune there. In May 2021, here's what they found. U.S. viewers spent 64% of viewing time on network and cable TV, 26% on streaming services. And that's a big rise. There was a 14% streaming service viewing in 2019, 20% last year. And Nielsen says, based on what we're seeing, it'll probably be a third, 33% by the end of 2021. Netflix and YouTube get about 6% of TV time right now, followed by Hulu with 3%, Amazon with 2%, and Disney Plus with 1%. And by the way, Roku might be on that list at some point. They announced that between May 20th and June 3rd, more people streamed their lineup of former Quibi shows just between May 20th and June 3rd than had streamed all Quibi shows on Quibi during Quibi's entire existence. Uh, Not sure that shocks anyone, but a lot of people finding that interesting. However. What do you think, Brian, of this of the, these percentages and, and these numbers that say we're still less than a third people watching streaming? People in majority are still watching cable and over the air. I mean, first of all, I 100% believe that. And and more, more than usual, I would really love to hear uh, Bryce's take on this because I feel like we have... Uh, not necessarily multi generational, but 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 a, a widespread of 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 uh, uh, cultural differences here. Sure. Um, as I understand it, the only reason that Nielsen exists is so that Don, for example, Don Soap Company can know whether or not their money is being put to good use. Right? What they what they would this say is like. We hired a lot of people. They called a lot of people. They asked, what did you watch last night? Did you see the Dawn ad? Do you remember the Dawn ad? Uh, what, great, 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 great. And then they go to Dawn and they say, Dawn, thank you for paying us a million dollars. We can verify that the $6 million you spent on Dawn advertisement in the middle of days of our lives was absolutely worth it. Congrats. That was money well spent with us. It was money well spent for you. We're Nielsen out. Uh, am, am, am I right so far, Tom? You're you're partially right. Uh, if you get rid of only, you are absolutely right. Uh, one of the main reasons for Nielsen and and probably its its most successful product was the the quarter hourly cumes, the ability to say during that fifteen minutes, this many people were watching, and therefore, if your Dawn soap ad ran, you probably had this many eyeballs see it. That was very important, but it's not the only reason analytics are important. Uh, For instance, Gartner Group sells private access to very deep intelligence about how many phones are being sold because it's a competitive advantage to the other phone carriers to see, well, how many phones are being sold to whom by my competitor? Because they won't let me know that, right? Samsung's not going to tell Apple how many phones are being sold where. Samsung knows how many phones it sells, but Samsung would like to know how many phones Xiaomi is selling. This is this is this kind of number from Nielsen is that kind of industry analysis of like, hey, 
uh, here's how well everybody's doing. You players in the game are probably interested in this. People interested in investing in the players in the game are interested in it. People interested in starting competitors are interested in it. And in fact, there probably are even some advertisers, uh, not for Netflix, but you know, for Hulu, uh, that, that might say like, oh, okay, so Hulu and YouTube are getting this much percentage. That's worth having a conversation to them about that because they've got a big audience. Right. Okay. So, so far, we're pretty much on the same page. Let's take everything you said, everything I said, put it all in category A, which will sort of label people who want to buy other people's eyeballs. Which sounds weird when I say it out loud, or, but, but but you or, understand what I'm or saying. Or want a competitive advantage in getting the eyeballs. But yeah, it's all about how, how do I get the eyeballs. Correct. Now let me give you scenario B. Scenario B is every Saturday afternoon on most top 40 radio stations, Casey Kasem would come on. And basically he would list the 40 most popular songs. Now the reason he was listing them was partly, yes, because all of the music industry was paying him tons of money to do so, and all of it was free, and it was this horrible industrial machine. But also, I was listening in my teenage years because I was afraid of being the sucker. I didn't want to back a song that turned out to be a bag of dog doo-doo, right? So, so um, there's a actual value to the customer of knowing that they're backing a winning play. That when I bring up or when we're at a party and I wanna play uh, a, a Milli Vanilli, that, that certainly that won't bite me in the butt, right? So uh, 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 in that case, uh, now I see a different value for what Nielsen does. And it looks like you're trying to find a Milli Vanilli album right now. No, you're close. I used to write down, and I, I thought maybe I could get my hands on it. I used to write down the top 10 songs of the week every week in a notebook when I was in junior high. It, it was partially for what you're talking about. It was like, oh, am I listening to the cool stuff, right? Do I know the popular songs? Which probably seems a little weird to kids now because it's like, well, you just go on Spotify. You can see what the most popular are, right? But this is the way we had to do it. It's the same principle of like knowing what's cool, like what's out there. Even if you want to be... The person who's like, oh, I'm yeah, I'm not into the popular stuff, right? You want to know what the popular stuff is so, so you, you can position yourself it. against it, right. right? Exactly. But I was also just curious, like, what is the rest of the world prioritizing? What is what is, What are everyone else out there into? And how does that compare to what I like? So this is the part where I'm about to hand over to Bryce because I want to see your perspective, Bryce, because I understand... I understand the dish, the, the, the hiring advertiser side. I understand the teenager who doesn't want to be a sucker side. I even understand the I'm the BBC. I collected taxes and I have to justify how many people are watching this stuff. If I want to keep it on the air side, all of those sides, I understand. Um, what I'm not entirely sure I have a clear understanding of is why the average, why the three of us should give a rat's buttocks about whether Netflix, Hulu, anyone, how, who's winning and what war for whatever. Um, and, and may, maybe we're, we're the teenagers in this situation. I don't know. I mean, it, the, the, the question is, do you trust, uh, would you trust a, a streaming service to, uh, 
to give you all of the information and not just the most helpful, the most PR friendly information, right? Why is it that there are other industries where there are very public rankings or charts of sales data, like books, right? You look at the, you know, the New York Times bestseller list, like that is very influential in, in making, in making and reading books. Um, why is, why, why doesn't that latitude extend out? Um, and, and, and it's just, it's how, it's how far can you trust, uh, trust one of these companies to give you uh, the full, like, wouldn't it be really interesting to know how many people watched Jupiter's legacy now that it's been, now that they've canceled it and we don't even really know, um, when, when the next thing in that franchise will be. Um, and if you're, if you're a viewer who loves a show, um, and it's been canceled or, if, or you're not sure if it will be renewed, um, that kind of information can help to, to give you a sense of, um, are, is this just me? Do I just really like the show? Is there an audience for this show? Is there a way to rally for you? Because that's where a lot of people's intersections with shows and data like this is they want to save a show. They want to support their show and they want to know that they feel like the show that they're watching or trying to put effort, uh, you know, trying to, I'm giving my time to this show. I'd, I'd like to know that I can see more of this show or have a, have an understanding of what the future of a show like this is. There's also the recommendation the most- engine part of it, right? Yeah. Like when you mentioned, uh, you know, to bestseller lists, one of the things people use bestseller lists for books is like, Oh, what's a good book to read? If everybody's reading that one might be pretty good. I'll take a look at it. Maybe I'll read it too. Uh, and so I, I think even just on the service level, not even on the show level of like, Oh, Netflix is 6%. Well, maybe it's worth keeping. Uh, it seems like a lot of people are watching it, right? This isn't, I like it. This is, I'm actively watching, right? And then it becomes useful in interpreting what's going on out there. Uh, so I think the 33% or the 26% in, in May 2021 of people using streaming is is exceptionally helpful in understanding like, yes, everyone's streaming, but not all the time. If you're like, why is there even cable or TV? Why haven't they switched to more streaming over the top services? Why haven't they figured out this and that? That's why, because the majority of people are still watching the old way. So they're going to keep that old way going until that number flips past 50%. And then it's going to all start going the other way. Uh, so th- those numbers are helpful in that situation as well. I find it fascinating that everybody says, ah, nobody wants Netflix anymore. Yet six, pr- most people, people are watching Netflix and YouTube at the same amount. Uh, it, and Hulu's number two, not Amazon. That becomes interesting. There's a conversation to be had like, oh, is it momentum? Do they just have longer stuff, better stuff? Why aren't people watching Amazon more? Is it because you get it for free? You don't pay for it. Uh, so it opens up a whole lot of things in understanding what's going on out there as well. And and, and w- another another thing about these numbers that we have, even with these Nielsen numbers, these are this is kind of an un an incomplete accounting, right? This doesn't account for devices, laptops, computers. Sure. I know recently I have watched a lot less stuff on my Apple TV and more stuff on my laptop. None of that is now accounted for in in these numbers. And I, I know we 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 know that streaming, um, uh, a, a big hand in streaming is on mobile devices, and that's not even a part of of this conversation. Um, and so you know Nielsen is doing what they can by putting a little snitcher on your on your on your router but i think netflix has a pretty full accounting of of statistics and i bet they could share some of that a lot easier than than this so i i don't know i mean i i understand that they want to keep some trade secrets but i i i think that 
you don't, it's not necessary. I don't think that you should be embarrassed by the thing when you're the size of Netflix. If what you're, what is stopping you from doing this is the embarrassment of a show that is not as popular. Well, you're Netflix. You're too big. You're too big to care about anyone's show. Being but then why, then why bother going to the trouble of putting the numbers together and putting them out? Right. Yeah. It's, it's also work. Yeah, that's true. That's and true. if somebody else can do that work for you and you read Hastings can go, yeah, that looks pretty accurate. That looks pretty close to our numbers. Great. We don't have to do that work. Mm -hmm. So last question, like I understand why Dawn would pay money to Nielsen. I understand why Netflix would pay money to Nielsen. I understand why BBC would pay money to Nielsen. Why? But, it, but the three of us are very curious would would any of us consider giving even one dollar for an entire nope. year's worth of Nielsen numbers? Yeah, mm. I don't know. I say that I I sub, I have subscribed to Billboard magazine in the past. Speaking of American Top Forty, which huh? got its rankings from Billboard magazine, uh, because I I wanted access to that. So depends, but I'm happy with this kind of stuff to just see the public ratings come out and the public ratings coming out create the conversation that reinforces to other people who do want to pay for the the data that like, oh yeah, Nielsen's the place. I hear everyone talking about it, right? And that's exceptionally important for Nielsen right now when the narrative can be like, oh, Nielsen, they're old. They don't right. do this anymore. And they, 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 they have an interest in disproving that. Uh, but yeah, I'm more interested in, in what the public top line data is than paying for anything because I don't need the details. Uh, when I when I have been had access to Nielsen data back when I worked at Tech TV, the details were immense. I don't think people realize like you can slice and dice that stuff way down and get really in, in you know, in, zoom far in if you pay for the data and 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 find out very specific questions. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to be quiet because uh, maybe maybe I launched a new podcast in the last seven days and I'm really interested in data and metrics and all that stuff. Yeah, and you can see your metrics, but that doesn't mean you can see other people's metrics. So you need that chart, right? To be able to say like, okay, I think I'm doing pretty good. How am I doing compared to everybody else though? Right. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk about what to watch in under surveillance. Rick and Morty season five premiered on Adult Swim Sunday. We're going to talk about that on Spoiler in Time, uh, the episode itself. But if you haven't seen it because you're like, I don't get Adult Swim or HBO Max, you can still watch this episode for free. Adult Swim posted the episode called Mort Dinner Rick Andre on its YouTube channel for all to see. Uh, again, smart move. They, they've done a lot of, as a matter of fact, even before this came out, there were articles saying like... Um, uh, what if you don't have any of these subscriptions? Uh, the answer is wink, uh, adult swim. They sure are tricky. Who knows? Uh, yeah. which, which I, they were accurate. It's, it's like, yeah, there was a free way to immediately see it. I, I watched it via the adult swim app. Usually you have to have a, an, a cable authentication, but even there they had made it, you had to watch, I had to watch like a Geico ad or something, but it, you could just stream the whole episode for free. They probably won't do that the rest of the season. They usually lock Rick and Morty down after the first week or two, but it was, it was good to, it was good to have one less headache when, when Rick and Morty came back. I, uh, I have AT&T TV streaming, uh, and, uh, it showed up in my Apple TV list early in the evening as like available. I'm like, Oh, maybe I got the East coast feed. Cool. 
So I go in and I play it and I have unskippable ads because as soon as it aired on the East Coast, they gave me the on-demand access, but it hadn't aired on the West Coast. So I didn't have the DVR. So I ended up having to watch it with ads. But like you said, Bryce, it was like a Geico ad or something like that. Uh, it, it wasn't too burdensome, but it was nice to have that option. In the past, when I've had to watch Rick and like a year ago to watch Rick and Morty, I had to go into Hulu Live, which is what I had for my live TV, search for Rick and Morty, find the episode listing, kind of trick it into showing me the episode listing for the next episode because it hadn't aired here yet. And then it would show me that there was an on-demand version. So it was much nicer for it to just show up. And I was able to watch it at a decent hour instead of having to wait until late at night. Real quick pro tip, have a 13-year-old daughter that you're watching Rick and Morty with. Find out that it's all the way at 10 p.m. Central. Oh, so late, so late. Also, I don't even know what services. What services am I? Tell you what, first thing tomorrow morning, sweetheart, I'm going to buy that episode, and then we can watch it together later. And then you wake up in the morning and you watch, and you're like, this is an episode about having a threesome. I don't think I'm going to remind my daughter. Uh, <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Yeah, twist. <laughs> uh, Paramount Plus released a teaser for season two of Picard featuring the return of John Delancey as Q, the immortal being of pure energy who kindly appears older. Uh, I'm guessing most likely to accommodate Picard's older appearance as well. Very nice of Q. Uh, also, apparently time has been broken according to the trailer. Um, all right. That's all I got. <laughs> Really? Did, did you watch the trailer? That's all you got? No, no, no. I did. I did watch a, the trailer, and 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 uh, I am cautiously optimistic, as you know. Like I love variations on a theme. I I, I would love to see them play around. I mean, uh, personally, I I might wonder why Q wasn't in the first season of Picard because that would have been the most natural place for him to be. Uh, but uh, but but sure, yeah. No, I'm in. Well, also, it makes me wonder, is this the last season of Picard? Because Q shows up in episode one of Next Generation and the very end. In fact, the, the whole end of the Next Generation is themed around Q. So I'm, uh, I looked at this and went like, oh, Q's here. They're not doing a season three, I guess. I mean, look, it's not too late for them to do my idea of like downloading his consciousness into the ship and naming it the USS Picard. That's that's what the... that's what. Mm. Mm. Yeah. A lot, lot of other shows have been named about the ship. It'd be great to have a ship named Picard with the consciousness of Picard in the ship. That'd be great. Oh, with de-aging and VR or, or virtual characters yeah, and just stuff? Just capturing like the, the past 20 years of he everything he's ever said. Ship. He would Q. never have to. Just, he would always be the voice of the ship. Come on. Q could just make him a Q. Mm. He's offered before. Yeah. Picured. Picured. No one else is speaking. <laughs> Picured is what we got. Yeah. All right. Uh, there's the title of the show. Netflix has ordered a series set in the front office of the LA Lakers basketball team, written by Modern Family producer Elaine Coe and produced by Mindy Kaling. Actual LA Lakers president Jeannie Buss. We'll also get an executive producer title alongside Mindy. The show uh, is about a fictional president of the Lakers named Eliza Reed, who's not Jeannie Buss because her name is Eliza Reed and her best friend. And it sounds to me like it might be a little Ted Lasso-y. I don't know. Yes. The classic Ted Lasso plot of being 
the best team in the best league <laughs> in the best of the best okay, of the world. Okay, it's not like Ted Lasso in that way, but in the, of the like, success that comes like, with from being the best. I meant and the how Rebecca. You felt like the Rebecca character. You immediately <laughs> focus on the things that are totally unlike it. But no, I'm like, oh. I mean, look. I, if, if 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 even if it's just a mirror image of Tef, Ted Lasso, I'll take a left-handed Tef. Wait, he is left-handed. Uh, I'll, I'll take whatever Ted Lasso-ish thing I can get. And uh, Modern Family, uh, pretty funny, pretty funny show. Uh, yes. Mindy Kaling uh, has done some amazing shows. Not uh, forget The Office. That's the least of her work out there. Uh, as a producer, director, and writer, she's amazing. So I don't know. Uh, I would expect a Mindy Kaling, Elaine Co. venture to poke fun at the fact that the Lakers are one of the predominant teams, uh, et cetera. So there's probably some pretty good room to what's it like in a, a machine that is at the top of its game, literally, and to be the maybe the smallest, least appreciated part of the machine. I, I, I think there's lots to play with there. I mean, I, I'm describing lower decks. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Right. Lower Lakers. Uh, Steven Spielberg's Amblin Partners has signed a deal with Netflix to make multiple movies a year. Uh, Spielberg did speak strongly about the need to have Oscars go to movies that were actually seen in theaters a while back, leading some to assume that maybe he didn't like Netflix that much. But uh, he certainly likes their money, I guess. Also, it's Amblin. Uh, so it's not like Spielberg himself has to do all the work. Amblin will keep its offices on the Universal lot and its picture deal with Universal Pictures. This is just an additional uh, deal with Netflix. And Spielberg is, has clarified his comments in the past to say, no, I think movies should be in theaters to get an Oscar. It doesn't mean I don't like Netflix. <laughs> okay. I mean, even before this It doesn't mean this I don't like money. Deal. I mean, Netflix. I'm sorry. It's me. <laughs> it doesn't mean I wouldn't like a big deal with Netflix that I'm going to right. get on it, it, June exactly. 21st. Yeah. Exactly. No, I, I actually believe that, that Spielberg is like, no, 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 I'm fine with Netflix, especially if they show things in theaters. I He, he was trying to say, you're TV movie of the week uh, shouldn't be in the same class as, you know, a, a theatrical presentation uh, to which I would have responded like they don't do TV movies of the week anymore, Stephen. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, 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 I think we're seeing the same person can have two different ways of expressing, take it from oh, me, sure. Brian Brushwood. Uh, 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 somebody can express uh, uh, two different sides of an, an idea depending on how they're feeling. And I think that previously we had talked about him being like, oh, but I just love the movie experience. And now he's like, yeah, you know what I love is, is, is a lot of people seeing my work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and Netflix, I think, is going to be doing more theatrical showings in this new, you know, the 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 windows out the window. Uh, window can be anything situation. So we'll, yeah. we'll see about that. Disney Plus is going to air a three part documentary about a music group called the Beatles. Have you, have you heard of this, Brian? It's an old old group from Tom, the '60s. Tom, Tom, mm -hmm. very playful about a lot of things. I have a I have a deep deep affection for the Beatles. I know that's why I put this story in here. Actually, uh, Peter Jackson has made this three part documentary. It will air on Disney Plus over the Thanksgiving weekend in the United States, which is late November. Uh, and as with most Beatles documentaries, it promises to include many hours of never before seen footage. Uh, in this case, provided by Ringo Starr and Paul McCartney. Uh, trailer shows a lot of stuff from the Let It Be. Uh, sessions uh, that era, but we'll, we'll see. Maybe they, they've got uh, 
more footage about the whole thing. Uh, I'm a big aficionado of Beatles documentaries since I sneaked into Kyle Beatty's house in the eighties during summer and opened his mom's copy of a Beatles documentary and made us watch it because I was fascinated with them. So this five minute footage is extraordinary on a few different levels. One is the, I love the earnest honesty that Peter Jackson gives when he's like, Hey man, here's what we're aiming for. Here's what we're trying to do. Um, what I'm about to show you is not really a trailer. It's not even a snippet of the movie. It's just, I don't know. It's a thing we did. And then they could have gone straight to it, but instead there's this moment that he says, Bryce Castillo. And then they cut to Bryce Castillo behind a computer and he says, will you press play on that thing? And then he does. And it was just, it was just bizarre because you could also see there's the frame rate upscaling. There's, there's all of the digital magic that makes you feel like you're really there. And, and in a way that you don't like it when it's about hobbits, I sure did love it when I felt like I was there in Abbey studios. It was amazing. Yeah. Well, the, the criticism Road of the Studios, Hobbit. Sorry, uh, the criticism of the Hobbit was like, ah, oh, it looks like VHS. It looks like a documentary, <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, that's perfect for this, which is in fact a documentary. Uh, I, I found mm -hmm. it totally enchanting. Uh, did, did you have, have, you, have you, uh, sidebar, Tom? Tom, Beatles mm -hmm. fan to Beatles fan, how did you like mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. uh, did I like the trailer? Yeah. Uh, oh, no, no, absolutely. It's, it's yeah. not a trailer. It's. Well, whatever the, it yeah, was the thing the yeah, clip yeah. yeah yeah no absolutely i i'm thoroughly intrigued uh i i'm i'm fascinated with the beatles as well and i i i joke that like at this point what uncovered footage could there be other than like them headed off to the bathroom uh but this has wet my appetite to realize like oh yeah there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that maybe got edited before because they didn't think people were interested and it's the more human side of things uh it, especially there's one moment in this clip where they start uh, recording Get Back and it sounds fine to me. And Paul's like, uh, stop, stop, stop. A, a little faster, a little faster. And then they start and you're like, oh, that's the track they use on the album. It's like, awesome. And, you, and, it's awesome. and that's the kind of stuff that you get is like, is like, oh, I didn't realize I was about to hear the actual track uh, be recorded. And, and now know that uh, in that recording, Paul stopped and went like, Needs to be a little faster, Ringo. Can you just pick it up? All right, let's pick up it. some notes here. Ant-Man 3 has started fi fil uh, filming. Filming is what they call it. In London, Paul Rudd made mention of that in a video for Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver Tyreek Hill. I'm in London filming Ant-Man, and everybody's like, oh, they must be filming. Anthony Hines, one of the writers on Borat, is working on a comedy uh, movie called Robots, which just cast Shailene Woodley in the lead role. Jennifer Lopez is going to star in a Netflix sci-fi movie called Rampage, directed by Bard Payton. Former Top Gear and current The World Tour star Richard Hammond will host a series for Discovery Plus about restoring classic cars. Makes sense. And while Dune will be coming to HBO Max the same day as it hits theaters October 1st, it will make its world premiere at the in-person Venice Film Festival on September 3rd. So how optimistic are you about uh, uh, you and I uh, as, as geeks are, are beloved of, of Dune. Mm. Is this the one uh, could, could this be the one? I fear is the mind killer, Brian fear is the little death. I will face my fears of this not being as good as I want it to be. Let it pass over me and through me. Uh, I, I want it to be, and I'm ready for it to be. And Denis Villeneuve has done pretty great work. So yeah, pretty optimistic. Mm, 
You don't sound very optimistic. It sounds like you want to pull your by hand out of the box. No, no, I'm uh, This is elated for Tom. Remember the leader? This, this is, is elation a, for Tom. I, I have the gum jabar right next to your <laughs> right next no, to your no. throats. I feel no pain. Pain is imaginary. It is through the juices of food that I uh, thoughts grow acquire knowledge. <laughs> Uh yes. Uh, what about you? Are you exci- are you are you? I, I I've I've already been. Uh, I'm unabashedly a fan of the um uh the discredited David Lynch movie. Uh, it's it's. You always remember your first Doctor Who. I remember sure. my first Dune. My second Dune was the video game. My third Dune was the book Dune. And you know <laughs> uh, after that. Uh, it was all downhill. I didn't care for the sci-fi Dune. I'm hoping this one is very good. Yeah. I, uh, since you mentioned that, I actually really enjoyed Dune when I saw the movie, not knowing anything else and thinking like, this is great. And it was back when it was new. Uh, and then I later read the book, went back and looked at it and like, oh, I see. But I still found things to like about it. Kind of, not even as bad, but kind of like Phantom Menace where I'm like, Sure, but there's a couple of scenes, right? Uh, and Dune, there were more than a couple of scenes. Well, and and, uh, and specifically, and I'm, I'm always this is those those three beers in arguments that I get into with 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 fellow geeks. I point out that it's like uh, the whole like my name is a killing word stuff, and the idea of the weirding way being a sound module or whatever that was all added by the author of Dune, uh, uh, which I thought was cool as hell. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the actors are are great in their parts, even if the whole thing doesn't necessarily hang together. So, all right, let's talk about what we've had our eyes on. Brian, what have you been watching? My daughter will not stop asking me to watch the Rooster Teeth original Camp Camp, which I will admit is quite good, although it's very weird to take the, the, the show's over and then the credits roll and you see a bunch of names of people who you know personally and you don't know how to feel. And then they're at the end of one episode and you're like, is that Flint Flossie? And you're like, yeah, that's Flint Flossie. That's my friend from Turquoise Jeep. And it's like, and it's like, fine, I'll watch it with you. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Outside of that, I've done nothing but watch every chart that is charting the release of our new podcast, World's Greatest Con. That's it. Uh, I caught up on the bad batch because a bunch of people on Twitter were, were, uh, kindly telling me like, no, 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 it got, it, it's really good. Uh, cause I had kind of, I never disliked it. Uh, but I had sort of just forgot to keep watching. Uh, and I will say it definitely got good. Nice twists, callbacks to clone wars. So if you're not fan of clone wars, maybe not as compelling for you, but some great callbacks, uh, to clone wars. Uh, and, uh, an an interesting evolving storyline. I'm still not over the moon about it the way I I was about rebels at a certain point, but I also wasn't over the moon about rebels in its first season. So maybe, maybe it's just the first season working things out, uh, that the bad batch is having to do. I'm enjoying it more than I ever enjoyed resistance, uh, which is another Dave Filoni animated, uh, series in the star Wars universe. So that's what I've been watching. Bad batch. Um, Hey there, Bryce. Hi. Hello, Tom. What what should we be on the lookout for? Well, here's something. We've got another pick from Nikki who writes, I really liked the K-drama Startup on Netflix. It's a very good love triangle because both guys are great, and I was even torn. My The family drama was good. It had me laughing and crying. I really like the premise of startup of the startup companies and the Google-like campus setting. Uh, just a great all-around series. Uh, uh, now, I uh, 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 this is Bryce talking. I've seen this pop up on Netflix quite a few times. 
um, but have never really dived into it because it's 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 always like a marquee thing. So you just and I don't have the autoplay. So it's just here's a, a Korean guy and it's a show and it's called Startup. Um, Tom, uh, is this on your radar at all? Do you know this? It is on my radar. I have not watched it. Uh, I I give myself one Korean drama that I watch on my own, and the rest are all picked by Eileen, who is <laughs> faultless mm. in what she picks. Uh, so right now we're watching, uh, we're actually watching an older show, My Mister, uh, on Netflix. Uh, and, and we've got a couple others in the hopper that we might move to. But she said that, I remember asking her about startup. She's like, yeah, it's supposed to be good but it wasn't good enough uh, to make it over our barrier. So it's, mm. it's good to have this, uh, this recommendation. Yeah. Uh, I guess this is the writer of while you were sleeping and the director of hotel del Luna. And I know you've talked about hotel del Luna, hotel del Luna quite great. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So there are 16 hour long episodes of start up. I think it's start dash up uh, streaming on Netflix. Now, if you've got something we should be on the lookout for email us cordkillers at gmail.com. Thank you. All right, folks, uh, Brian Brushwood is here with a special message for you that if you haven't subscribed to World's Greatest Con, you need to do right now. <laughs> I like how easy you made that for me. Yeah, dude, uh, brand new show. Um, at, hey, Tom, there's yes. this brief moment where you understand that the law of large numbers will eventually come for us all. It's, it's a, sure. like the heat death of the universe. It's entropy incarnate. But for this moment, with nearly 600 reviews on Apple Podcasts, World's Greatest Con sits at an average of five out of five stars, which is something I did not think I would ever be able to say. Also, for over a week now, if you open up Pocket Casts, you will see that the number one trending uh, podcast in all of Pocket Casts is world's greatest con in and it's 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 uh, the latest project for me and justin robert young thank you to everybody who's participating thank you to everybody who's giving a chance to the honesty the earnestness the outrageousness that we've put into it um uh, and this is like a, this is a historical podcast about about a real life operation. Correct, and yeah. and and eventually it'll be an anthology series about uh, history's greatest deceptions. But uh, but thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who's participated. Please, please, please go to greatestconpodcast.com. Look it up on whatever your podcatcher is, and please, please, please enjoy it. Also, thanks to our friends over at doghousesystems.com/slash/rogue. Let's move on to the front lines. Protocol notes TikTok has been experimenting with smart TV platforms. The first app was called More on TikTok. It launched on Fire TVs about a year ago. It was just curated popular videos. In December, TikTok launched an app for Samsung smart TVs, followed by an Android TV app in February. These apps available in select European countries still have curated collections, but also let you log in and watch your personal feeds. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, they've all tried smart TV apps uh, to varying levels of not really being successful. Well, with, with, with only 25 seconds to discuss it, Tom, do, do you feel like super short form content like TikTok has a chance in, in a platform like this? Not really. No. I, I and I, I'm willing I'm so to be glad proven. you said it first because that's yeah. exactly how I feel. <laughs> I'm really, I'm willing to be proven wrong. Cause certainly people didn't think YouTube would translate. Well, first they didn't think it would translate to mobile and then they didn't think it would translate from mobile uh, to TV. And it has, uh, but but part of that was YouTube changing the in- incentives to go long, which TikTok doesn't seem like it's going to do. I, I think this is smart. I watch TikTok a good amount, 
Um, I do. Uh, now, I will say, though, when the opposite is a lot of times when I'm watching TikTok, I've paused something else on the TV so I can watch it on the phone. But if this is an app where it is my feed, it's just one button to skip to the next video. I think I think that can at least fulfill a gap in in the application process. I mean, it's it's crazy that Quibi didn't have a smart TV app and they had all the mobile stuff. But TikTok is actually successful. So I think that they have some incentive to do it. Uh, Disney Plus announced that going forward, its new series will premiere on Wednesdays. Loki made that uh, last minute switch from Friday premieres to premiering on Wednesdays, and that will apparently continue. Disney Plus movies will continue to be premiering on Fridays. Wait, that doesn't sound at all like two of the same thing. Uh, I'm going to guess that that for, for TV shows, just Wednesdays are sexier than Friday's full stop. Yeah, what co- what confused you there? Uh, oh, oh, oh ju- just that movies will premiere on Fridays. Uh, yeah, so they're keeping movies premiering on Fridays. They're moving series to Wednesdays. Yeah. Uh which honestly, to me, that's probably data driven, but it's it's like, oh, people are in a movie mood on the weekends, but they're in a TV mood midweek. And premiering on Wednesdays means you get Thursday too. Yeah. F9, the new Fast and Furious movie, is headed to a domestic release on the strength of racking up $300 million overseas. And those markets don't even include the United States, UK, Mexico, or Brazil. Uh, So it's probably going to make a lot of money. Quiet Place 2 has reached $222 million worldwide. Uh, This is a great time to sell a theater chain. And Pacific Theaters, owner of Arclight, has filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy, not 11, 7. That's the one where you liquidate your assets and go out of business. Uh, Word is AMC is going to buy the Grove and Americana locations, and Regal Cinemas is going to buy the Sherman Oaks one. Uh, Meanwhile, many HBO Max subscribers received an email on Thursday with the title, quote, oh man, this was fun, integration test email number one with the message, this template is used by integration tests only. Thursday, HBO Max announced, and I must, uh, uh, full disclosure, I I really enjoyed tweeting out about this, Uh, quote, we apologize for the inconvenience as the jokes pile in. Yes, it was the intern. No, really, we're helping them through it. Several people on Twitter uh, weighed in with their own stories of mistakes they made. And let's be honest, it's one of the least disruptive mistakes HBO Max has made lately. 100% true from beginning to end. I, I, I don't know. I really enjoyed this whole kerfluffle. Uh, it's funny. I got this email and deleted it. Like, ah, oh, test email went wrong. Like that just happens, right? And then and then the next thing I know, the internet is is bursting with jokes. Uh and honestly, I think HBO Max needed that, given the, the technical issues that they've been facing over the past couple of weeks. The NVIDIA Shield got the new Android TV interface. That includes a new Discover tab, an app section that's full screen, a couple other tweaks here and there. Customers in the US, Canada, UK, France, Germany, and Australia get the new UI and the Discover tab. Uh, if you're in Italy and Spain, you just get the new UI. You don't get the Discover tab for some reason, but uh, nice fresh coat of paint for the NVIDIA Shield. And Univision plans to launch a streaming service in the U.S. and Latin America next year with more originals in Spanish than any other streaming service. It'll pull together existing services, uh, Prende TV, VIX, and Univision Now. There will be an ad-supported and an ad-free tier. I am almost certain I said almost all those words correctly, Tom. Ah, bueno. Good job. Uh, And uh, I'm smart. 
Univision should do this. This just should absolutely be something they do. Uh, they will immediately, they're basically, this is so smart is that like we have streaming services. What if we just combine them together and sold them as a package uh, instead of retiring them or anything? It's a little bit what Discovery uh, looks like it might do with HBO Max in the future. So maybe there's a, there's a tip off there. Oh. Before we wrap this up though, hat tip to our own Bryce Castillo. Yeah. Who essentially broke news when he clarified last week during our email section, they're like, hey, it says here that uh, Apple's tri trial period is only three months. That apparently had just been changed oh, when wow. you noticed it, Bryce. And the next day, there were stories all over the internet about, ah, Apple TV has dropped its uh, free trial period from one year down to three months. So well spotted, Bryce. You're welcome. Oh, they do. I was going to clap, but everyone else is Every, You know, don't worry it's, about it. It's fine. <laughs> Let's get to the dispatches from the front. Got an email this week from Josh. Here's Josh's email. He says, hi, team. Wanted to share my usual, usual theater watching experiences and wanted to get your views on it. All right, here we go. Even before the pandemic, I used to go to the theater only for the big blockbusters and would catch the others on streaming or even Redbox. I personally could not justify to myself the value of watching certain movies on the big screen. For example, Parasite. The big screen doesn't add to the experience of the movie, mm. and the smaller screen is more than enough. Again, this is just my personal choice. My wife doesn't like theaters as she gets migraines from the loud noises. And also since we're non-native English speakers, she prefers watching on TV with closed captions. My kids have grown without the large screen and are picky as to what they want to watch. For this year, they want to watch the next Hotel Transylvania movie and nothing more. I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels this way and would love to hear your thoughts. The cost of a family movie night at the theater is also not an enticing factor with a four member trip easily totaling more than $150. Uh, dude, I think we have a new theme for everybody to write into cordkillers at gmail.com. It could be confessions of movies mm. you've seen out in public when you weren't supposed to, or maybe you were too embarrassed to talk about at the time movies that you're on the fence about where it's like, Oh, do we watch it at home or do we actually go out or movies that are going to be the definitive experience where you leave the house for the first time, Tom, the world is going outside. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, in, inside or out would be how I'd put, do you see your movie inside your house or do you go out to see it? Yes. I mean, you go uh, back I think inside. Both are and watch inside. The movie. Yeah. Well, technically, yes. I mean, unless you're end. doing a dive-in theater. But thing. one, you don't have to go out at all. The other one, you do have to go out at some point, unless you have a tunnel to the movie. Go, out, go outside and just watch on your phone. I guess I don't know. So, I got yeah, a projector outside, so uh, the cookout a, will technically be a theater. Okay. I guess. Uh, Everybody will clarify this when they write <laughs> us at cordkillers at gmail .com. Casa or cinema. Yeah. Oh, there ah, we go. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, yeah, better? All right, yes. yes. Josh, thanks for kicking this off. We love that. Our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. We're live on twitch.tv slash nightattack, also on diamondclub.tv, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll talk to you again next week. Hey, Tom Merritt. Yes, Brian Brushwood. Know who I love even more than my own children? Your... Other children? No, not my wife. I know what you're saying. I love our $5 patrons. These are the people that keep us live and independent. Thank you so much, $5 patrons. 
You know what? I love them more than not life itself, because then I'd be dead and I couldn't appreciate them, but really, really, really close. And I'm so thankful that they are here to make this show happen. Thank you so much to all of our $5 a month patrons. You guys are wizards. You're champions. Thank you, everyone. You're heroes. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>